morning, as we celebrate Palm Sunday together, I want to ask you two questions. And these aren't rhetorical. I actually invite your response. If you're on Facebook Live right now, you can put your answers right inside of the box. If you want to email me later on, if you want to give a phone call to the church office, we would really love to hear uh, from you about these two things. Uh, the first is, what, what is one thing uh, that's been the hardest thing to give up? Or the hardest thing to limit yourself? What has been the most difficult thing about this? And this could be a very trivial answer, as I'll share with you one of mine in a little bit, or it could be a very deep thing. But one of the things I think it, it's important for us to share, what's been one of the hardest things? What's one of the things that you miss the most? The second thing is, where is God teaching you? How is God showing himself, revealing himself? Where is God stretching you to love and trust him more? For all of us, there's a level of limitation and restriction. There are things that we don't get to do that we once did. And again, whether those are the big things or the little things, life looks different now than it did three weeks ago. Students, you're working from home. Your activities, your trips, your sports, your tournaments, everything that you had planned for this spring is on hold, if not canceled. Adults, you are working from home or perhaps not working, or you're still going to work, but there's less people around. You were trying to homeschool for the first time. You were trying to manage the schedule of everything amidst concerns over your own health and the health of your family and finances and the unknown and the uncertainty and all the questions that arise. And so life looks different. Yet we know that if God is still on the throne, uh, God still meets us in the midst of what we walk through right now. And so it's a time of limitation. It's a time of restriction. It's a time where things are different and there are some things that are hard and some things that are just different and maybe even a tad bit better as we spend more time together as families. Yet one thing's for sure, these days are different. Let me share a couple with you. The first one is an obvious one. It's a very churchy answer. It's an answer that you would expect the pastor to give. I miss being in worship with all of you. I miss hearing uh, your voices singing. I miss your blank stares while I preach. Just kidding. Uh, I miss uh, seeing with you and interacting with you, even though I will say it's been awesome to hear some of your feedback through email and through Facebook and a variety of different ways, but I miss being together corporately. Let me give you another one that's more of a little thing that might be, seem more trivial. Uh, one of the things we like to do, we like to go out to eat. And I think going out to dinner is great and wonderful, and especially if it involves friends or as a family, but when it really boils down for me, one of the things I miss is going out for breakfast. There's something about a diner breakfast or somebody else makes it for you and serves it for you, and there's eggs and there's hot tea or there's coffee. I miss going out to breakfast. It's one of the things that I can't do that uh, I wish that I could do. Sometimes, you know, we begin to appreciate the things that we took for granted when we no longer get to experience them. We experience life in a new way, and it reminds us of the things that we really valued but yet never thought a whole lot about. The story that we're going to look at this morning is a very familiar one. In fact, it's so familiar, we've read the scripture a couple of different times already in our series. And it's the, the picture of the veil that is torn uh, when Jesus dies on Calvary. The miracle is going to be a very familiar one, but yet I think much like for me going out to breakfast, it's one of those things that you don't realize because we've lived in the reality for so long, 
we don't know what it would have been like had it not happened. If you would have told me three weeks ago, Mike, how awesome it is to go out for breakfast at a diner, it might have been a statement I agreed with and I nodded my head to, but it would not have been a revelation. It would not have brought me joy. It was just something that I took for granted. And I wonder, as we've said before, that for Matthew's audience, if they, when they read this and they remembered the picture and they remembered the stories that they heard, whether they were there or they just heard it from someone or from someone who heard it from someone else, the visual, the significance, the meaning hit them in a way that it does not hit you or me. Inside of Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse uh, number 50. At that moment, Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split, or rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those who were with him, uh, watching over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, truly this man was God's son. And so we read this passage when we talked about the earthquake and when we talked about the tombs breaking open. But today I want us to think about the veil being torn. And the idea, and this is one of those statements again that would sound like how awesome it is to go to breakfast at the diner. The statement that we make so often that it doesn't even really ring true for us is this morning we live as believers where the veil is torn and we have full access to who God is. The veil is torn and you have access to the very fullness of who God is. You may say amen, you may nod your head to that, but it is probably not a revolutionary statement. We live in the reality of this inside of our lives, that the veil has been torn and that you have full access to God. But I wonder for Matthew's audience, Jewish, growing up in the synagogue, going to the temple, reading their Old Testament, reading the verses about the great care and detail that went into the construction of the temple, the temple was the very place where God's presence resided. And inside of the temple is the holy place and the most holy place. And and inside of the the diagram of that, we begin to see that at the very center, uh, the most intimate place you could go in the temple was the Holy of Holies. And the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place is the veil that tears in two. It's a veil that is significant, not just because it sections off one room from another, but because behind this veil was the Ten Commandments and the mercy seat and Aaron's budding rod and just all of these symbols from Old Testament history. This veil protected an unholy people from a holy God. This veil protected the very holiness of God from consuming an unholy people. This veil protected the presence of God that uh, could not be unleashed, unleashed inside the, the general public because of how awesome and wonderful he was but it also protected people with dirty hands and unclean hearts from the very holiness of God. And in one moment, it tears in two. In one moment, even though the event that takes place is several hundred yards away as Jesus breathes his last, in that moment, what once separated the people from the very uh, most intimate place of God's presence no longer existed. In one moment, those without access had access. 
In a moment, that which was unseen became seen. In a moment, that which was unapproachable became approachable, and inaccessible became accessible because of what Jesus did. We don't need many reminders about the significance of this event, but let me give you just a couple of them. That now, instead of one man one day a year having access to the Holy of Holies, once and for all through Jesus' blood, we have access fully and completely to the very heart and the very presence of God. The presence of God is no longer limited to one place, but now every place that you go, Jesus is already there and already at work. There is no place that's protected from his influence and there, there is no place that is restricted from his influence. But he's alive and he's at work and he's present everywhere. And maybe the best thing of all, the presence of God is no longer a concern for us, but instead it's a hope for us. You see, before Jesus breathed his last, the presence of God showing up could be a great thing or it could be a terribly scary thing because what do we do in the presence of a God who is holy? But because what Jesus did for us once and for all, we have access, and that access means not only that we have access to the fullness of God, but God has access to the fullness of who we are. You know, it's interesting when you begin to read through the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 6, it talks about a great number, many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That as the word of God spread and as the, the preaching of Jesus took place, one of the miracles that happens is a number of priests. These are people who knew their Old Testament inside and out, who gave their life towards the ministry of the temple. And a large number of them turned to Jesus. I wonder if for them, one of the key moments, though they never realized it, but that was at work long before they placed their faith and their hope in Jesus, was when they heard the story or when they saw the sight, or when they lived even in just the aftermath and all the commotion that took place when the veil was torn, a powerful reality struck them inside of their lives. The presence of God is no longer located in a square area hidden behind a veil. But the presence of God is with us. And he's in us. And he's for us. And if that's the case, then life looks different from this point forward. This is Holy Week. Today's Palm Sunday where we recognize uh, the reign of who Jesus is. That he's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. He's the one that we've been waiting for and hoping for. And he does his best work inside of the darkest of situations. But you know, as we journey through the week, he's not the kind of king that they expected. But he's one who willingly laid his life down. But it's in that very laying down of his life that the fullness of who he is and what he came to do inside of your life and my life comes forth. It's the week that changed the world. And I wonder if it's the events of this week that have also changed your world. Maybe at a point in time in the past, maybe even currently as you walk through life. It's this week that becomes the fulcrum of all human history, of what Jesus came to do for us. I want to continue just to unpack this a little bit. Uh, again, it's a very familiar image, and it's 
uh, one of the, uh, the staple kind of pictures that we have of the cross and of the last week of Jesus' life. And uh, so, Bill, it's been great having you be a part of this. It means I only have to prepare about two-thirds of the message every week. Uh, you pick up the other part of it. But uh, I want to start with, um, let's kind of back up, you know, and step into the trivia a little bit. What's one thing that you miss? What's one thing that's been tough to restrict? Well, first of all, let me say I totally um, agree with you about, you know, going out, being able to just go out with the family. But for me, and actually this has happened today, I, I drove past one of our favorite ice cream places. And, um, you know, normally when the family is together as much as they are right now, like in the summertime, uh, one of the things that we love to do is just go out and get ice cream together. And, you know, to see that ice cream shop all closed up with barricades at the door, you know, is reality that we can't just do that. Uh, but the one thing um, that, that's different for me that, that I learned about myself in all of this is that I miss routine. Just having that day-to-day, -day, you know, I know what, <laughs> I know what the schedule's going to be the next day. I know what the schedule... And it's not that we don't have that, but it's just different. Um, I've, yeah. I've discovered that I'm not one who enjoys working from home. I don't do that well necessarily. Um, and so I appreciate some, some amount of routine yep. to yep. my day. Yeah, and that, that rhythm, you know, that's just different or non-existent or now it's a rhythm with other people in the house that are all right. trying to line up their <laughs> rhythms together. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah, cool. I got that. Um, <laughs> so this image of the veil, you know, a number of things that we could talk about. I think most of us get it, you know, that the veil was torn, we have access to God, he has access to us, uh, it's a powerful image, but um, as we try to press that on, do you think there's any ways in which we know the veil is torn, but to kind of carry that analogy, it's easy to live as if the veil were still in place? Yeah, uh, and I think, I think now is, um, in particular, is a time where people have the tendency to take a lot on themselves, and I, I say to people, I'm one of them. Uh, where, you know, we, we sometimes forget that we have that access, that we have um, him to draw on for strength and for courage and for wisdom during times like this. And so, yeah, yeah I, I can see that. Yeah, and, and I think the, um, you know, when I say living as though the veil were still in place, again, theologically we know it's not there, but uh, sometimes it's easier to have a God who is behind a veil. And when we need him, we can, you know, knock on the door with a prayer request. But right. um it's, it's something else when God is unleashed, as it were, to be in every part of my life. That sometimes is scary, um, you know, in a way as well. So, yeah, um, I do think that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, we take it on ourselves and we want to do things ourselves. Uh, sometimes it's easier that way. Um, let's swing to the other extreme. If one of the dangers is uh, pretend, you know, living as though the veil were still there, I think there's another danger sometimes as well that we can almost have a flippant or an, you know, overly casual response. Um, you know, potentially too, like in a more casual kind of church environment, like St. John's not very high church, um, you know, but to go in and to have, you know, the formality of the veil or even the formality of some of the churches that we grew up in where you were quiet during the prelude and then everything started and there was like a formalness <laughs> yeah. to the worship. Do you think we can become too casual with the presence of God? I do, and I, uh, to take a step back for a moment, you know, when you, when you use the word flippant and, you know, um, all access and, or, or reckless, you know, we, we look at it that way. Number one, I think as, I think new believers particularly, you know, when I think about my, myself in the early part of my journey, that was helpful to me 
to look at it that way. Mm. Uh, but as I grew in my faith, um, I found that you know there was a, there was a little bit more to that, and and the the, the key word there is faith. Mm. I think balance comes in when we approach Him with faith. And um, I found a couple portions of Scripture that I want to share this morning. Um, the first one comes from Ephesians, and uh, Paul is talking about um, God's eternal purpose being accomplished through Jesus Christ. And he says, in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. So there's that, that key word, faith, there. And then when we flip a little further in Hebrews... Um, the author is talking in chapter 10, and, and Hebrews uses a lot of Old Testament references uh, to, to bring, um, bring light to things from the New Testament. And here in particular, we see the, the words that he's using. Uh, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is the body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart of full assurance of faith. And so there's that word faith again. Yeah. And so the, the balance is when we, we approach him in faith believing, first, that he's accessible, and second, that, um, that he's there to hear what we, we bring to him. And, and with faith and with confidence, we know that he's very much involved in our lives and yeah. will respond to that. Yeah. And when you couch it that way, there is no flippancy. I mean, there is that, that possibility or that temptation for us, but I think, um, you know, that his body is the veil, as the Hebrew writer says. And right. so there is full access to God, but it's through the broken body of Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, and so this isn't just, you know, um, a, an accessibility that has no restriction but it's couched inside of the person of Jesus. And so that, that faith, that relationship, that trust, that intimacy with Jesus opens up uh, you know, a world of possibilities inside of a relationship with him, but, uh, but it's tied to that. You know, it's tied to yep. the person of Jesus, not what I want God to do for me you know, inside of Correct. this moment. Yep. Um, and so uh, that's a powerful image, you know, that as his body was broken, you know, a way is opened, uh, that the veil is torn, and that God has... Uh, full access to us and we have full access to him but it also means that there is not a situation or circumstance that he is surprised by or limited by and so a couple weeks ago we said you know that we celebrate easter despite the ruins all around us um, he makes his presence in the midst of the ruins uh, in, inside of our lives and, and his presence goes before us and um, so uh, again we hope that you have a wonderful holy week we're going to try to do as many things we can to kind of resource you in that and, and uh, provide some ways that we can celebrate Easter together. But, um, you know, happy to have this time. And thanks for sharing it with us. Let me, let me pray for us and then we'll sing one more song. God, would you help us to live this week in the confidence uh, that the book of Hebrews talks about, uh, the confidence that we can draw near uh, by faith in what you've done for us. Lord, that you've made a way and it's through your broken body uh, that we have access to the very fullness of God. And so, uh, would you comfort our hearts, would you challenge our hearts this morning with that uh, reminder, with that reality, maybe with that new invitation, that in you we find exactly what we need for each and every circumstance and scenario, uh, each and every emotion, uh, each and every day, each and every hour inside of our lives, Lord, you are what we need 
and you've given yourself freely to us. We thank you for that reality and uh, we pray uh, that you would just continue to lead us forward by your grace and in, in your mercy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.